one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today, besides having the giggle fits, because uh, I made my I made my guest basically laugh quite hard on a couple of stories <laughs> before we started the show. Um, you guys are in for a treat because we are going to be going through a lot of the stuff about what intuition means, specifically how uh, our guest day kind of got around it and how Sonal essentially became who he is today through, uh, you know, different intuitive points in his life. He doesn't know this, but I'm throwing this at him and he's getting it live as you guys are as well. Uh, as always, I will say, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. And this show is again, sponsored by intuition, what was it? Intuitionology. Intuitionology. Yep. Intuitionology.com. Uh, I will put the links up. So it's intuition and then ology at the end.com. Go check it out. It is an excellent site. You guys can go, go check out previous episodes of uh, the intuition, intuitionology uh, podcast, which I have been on as well, which is quite fun. All right. Yes. With that being said, please welcome my guest, the hysterical, the ever funny, and of course, the intuitive, uh, Sunil Godsey. Good, uh, good to see you, man. Good to have you. Yeah, on. absolutely. I'm did so see, happy to be on here. Did I say your surname correctly? Because I was like, uh, Godsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different from my high school. High school, uh, they called me Gandhi, and, and I quite liked that. I didn't realize it was in jest. I thought, wow, they really think highly of me until. Uh, <laughs> It was something different. It's because I'm peaceful and I fast a lot. It's because I'm skinny. You bitches are scared that I'm skinny. Is that what it? Uh, that would be me. That would literally be me. Don't call me Gandhi. Yeah. I'm like, is it because I'm bold? <laughs> I don't see the loincloth. There's no loincloth. I don't have salt, so I'm not sure. Oh man, I am. If I can, I'm not allowed to have. A, I'm in a silly mood, guys. Because um, the nice way of basically saying this is. Uh, do you mind if I quickly segue to a question? Of course. Actually, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll segue to this story and why the Mahatma Gandhi thing is hilarious, but I'm going to start just by saying, to establish this, uh, Sonal is a badass in many, many places in many, many ways. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you, um, real quick, if you're going to describe yourself, how would you describe yourself? Because I have a hard time describing you. Because I know Myself? You, yeah, because I, I know you in a whole different way. Wow. Uh, I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, I think I've just it just kind of ebbed and flowed through life and just carried a whole bunch of experiences, good, bad, and, you know, ups and downs and just kind of figured out what I needed to do. And it was just doing that and sharing those stories with my kids and people that are willing to listen and, and then sort of develop these mini, I guess, expertises. I don't know if that's, that's it, but it's just really kind of that. I, I don't, as informal as it may sound and how boring it may sound. I don't know. Oh God, no, it's not boring in the slightest, dude. I totally get it. Like sometimes you just have those things where life kind of floats you down a certain river. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think it, you just, you just take it in and it all depends on how you react to it. And then, you know, reflecting on how do I react and, and, you know, like, for example, if you look at my parents' divorce, uh, you know, that's when I was in high school, you know, how did I react versus my brother and my sister and how did that play out? Uh, in our lives moving forward. And so these are kind of some of the things I actually just internally think about when reflecting and, and uh, is there a story there? Is it a tie or what is it, what has it taught me? Why did I fall into this trap? Um, you know, it's really kind of getting to ask a lot of those questions. And frankly, I'm the whole intuitionology project was, was about that. And I think my, my whole process in life has been about trying to think about meaning around events, not in a very philosophical way, because that's getting too deep, but it's just really saying, why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? And why do those consequences happen? Uh, and how can I correct it? Uh, and then, the, and then the other part is now, how do I make sure my kids don't get into that, or they experience failure in their own way? Because I really kind of started with my first book on failure, 
Uh, and that's a necessary thing they have to go through. So not being that overprotective Indian helicopter parent. Oh, uh, well, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't jump off that ledge. Yeah, if you break a leg, you, well, don't do it again. You'll, you won't do it again, right? You know what, son? I'll say this much. It's still one of those things where, like, I know that I grew up in, in the UK. Like, I, I moved over here yeah. when I was four. But I grew up around that kind of parentage to some degree. I had a little mm. bit more freedoms, but I was still restricted in other ways. For instance, I never went to any high school parties because I was usually at home. Not doing homework. I just wasn't yeah. allowed out. I just had to stay at home and make my own entertainment um like while that's there but i also think about like the day that i become a parent i know i'm going to become like a typical indian dad at times like i'm waiting for that transformation to happen yeah um but how do you like okay so going from that because this is something that we have culturally that we share yeah how did you as a parent actually start raising your kids to be more intuitive um in following what their gut is with that like because sometimes our guts can lead us down a wrong path. And you've got a great book about this, which we're going to touch on in a moment. Yeah. But like, how do you like help them down that path? So it really, and it's interesting you brought up the high school thing, because one of the things that I realized, uh, so I was kind of blessed with Indian parents that were kind of dysfunctional in their marriage. And because they were, and it was arranged marriage, <clears throat> I'm sure they loved each other in their own way. But it, what it ended up doing is leaving me alone a lot and to reflect and, and at a very early age. So even in high school, you know, I, you know, it was traumatic. It was the uh, grade 10 and we had finished grade 10 summer. I was like a typical Indian kid, 98.55% and you're, you're, uh, you know, you're uh, brewing over the 1.45% you didn't get to, uh, you know, my mom just sitting us down at a table and saying, okay, uh, my, your parent, you're divorced now. I'm divorced with your dad and like, okay, how do we take this? Um, and I remember my marks pl plunging to 67%, getting hauled into the uh, office, say, well, like, what's going on with you? But it was this, and now I, I can look, reflect back and say, there's an intuitive moment that now I needed to be um, the, 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 the father figure. Now, I, I'm, I'm using a language in terms of what I felt at the time. And this is yeah. where the research on intuition kind of comes in because it's very, it's, it's at the amygdala, which there's no language around it. So it's just that I felt it. The language around how I characterize it is I needed to step up into a father figure. And maybe I'm trying to be trying to throw some societal norms around what I'm saying, which is, I think what we kind of all do. It's kind but of a I way to justify what is there without actually yeah. justifying it. Yeah. And, and I remember like I got five jobs uh, on top of maintaining a 90% average and that was just, just what I did. And so having that level of responsibility and seeing how that played out and how affected my, how it affected my, my, my siblings, my mom, how it helped out. <clears throat> she didn't know I was paying for, you know, putting money in her bank account, paying for the car and the insurance, like none of the siblings knew that, but it was just something I needed to do. And so when I look at Avni and Divya, my two girls, they're nine and 14 now. Part Are you of the it, oldest, by the way? Sorry to interrupt. I'm the middle. I'm the middle. The middle the kid. Old, oldest son. Okay. Um, but middle middle kid and the black sheep for sure. I, I tested everything. I, by the way, every just, I want to take that word back because yeah. my dad was, my mom was, I am, I don't like the term black sheep. We mm. are black lions because we, that's yes. what we are. We stand out from the crowd. Yes. Yes. And the reason I say black lions is even amongst lions, we stand out. Yes, yes. And, and sometimes being a black lion ends up being black and blue, but that's just sort of very, the, very uh, often. <laughs> yes. get beat up a lot. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I couldn't sit for 10 minutes, uh, but that's okay. I mean, that was a necessary evil. And it, it evened out my butt cheeks once I shifted 45 degrees. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you got it in the butt cheeks, dude. I just anywhere. <laughs> Grab a shoelace and get beat up. Oh, man. But I'm the uh, baby, by the way. I'm the young one. So, of course, oh, you're you the young know. one. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I, I got like, I had my own punishments. That's like, oh, how I God. got them. 
but no, so, so for me, it was really about doing that and doing things that really um, I felt like I needed to do. You know, I, I remember saving up so much money and going to an investment conference. And um, this is, I was 14 at the time. I went with my, my, one of my best buddies and we're going to this thing. They have all these freebie, the squeegee balls just came in free pen, you know, everything that makes a 14, 15 year old kind of excited. And then, you know, some guy, I remember this, uh, this one company, I'm they're having food and I'm asking about why they're, why, what's going to happen when they expand into uh, Brazil with their mining thing. And so like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. You're like 13. And, uh, you know, they invited me up to the investor area and there's lots of free food. So that kind of, it was good. I remember walking around at $5,000 ready to invest and nobody would take me. Nobody would believe that I had $5,000. I went to get into penny stocks at the time. And there was this one guy uh, from, it was from Raymond James. You remember, says, I don't know if I trust you or not, but anyways, here's, here's my number set up a, uh, an account uh, of my secretary, help you through that. And if you really have $5,000, bring your check and we'll get you started. And I, and I said, okay. And I showed up a week later and <clears throat> opened up a $5,000 account with Raymond James and started tr- trading penny stocks and um, stuff like that. <clears throat> How old were you Not, at this point again? This was uh, when I was 14. So <clears throat> it doesn't mean that I'm a great trader. Uh, no, you know, no, I mean, just... just, I just, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I found it fun. I started doing taxes. Uh, for other people. And the reason why I want to do taxes is because I love the fact that you can use a table versus a calculation and save like two cents and say, wow, that's two cents that I don't have to pay to the government. And so I would do that. I do my mom's, uh, my dad's, and I just loved it. Like there was just for one form from after another. And maybe that was the Indian kid, man. Just yeah, Indian kid. <laughs> like I had none yeah. of these tendencies. <laughs> I was like some weird artist kid at that age. But but that's that's what piqued me. And so for me, um, for my kids, it's very much about, you know, explore and don't worry about what other people think. Like I didn't do it with parties. I'm sure people were laughing at me and this, that. Who, who cares? Like I, did, I didn't really care. I survived. I survived. I needed to do what I needed to do. And I found my path. And so a lot of the stories that I tell Avni is about finding your path and finding out what's right for you. Um, and the intuition part is, just, is, is about now formalizing, saying you just kind of know. And even... Divya doesn't even, she understands intuition. She's the younger one. And she doesn't, she sometimes asks, dad, what does it mean when you talk about, you just know, like, what are these signals? And I say, well, when was there a time that you just kind of felt you needed to tell someone something or, or, you know, you just felt you needed to do something. And she goes, well, there was a time where there was a bullying incident and she saw someone acting like that when she was five. And before the bullying incident happened, she had some behaviors that she didn't like and, and it didn't, it went against her values of how she wanted to treat other people and she moved away. Uh, but I, I think that the more hilarious story of the two that she was telling me was that she was um, getting to ready to sit in on Santa Claus's lap and she sat on his lap and he started asking her questions and she goes, dad, you know, his breath was stinking, right? And she's pinching her nose. And then she goes, my intuition is now pointing to the temple. My intuition is telling me to tell him to eat a candy cane. And he did, he ate a candy cane and his breath smelled so much better. And then she goes, oh, that's how I know how to trust your intuition. And so, so she kind of gets it in the way that she puts it and, and it's, it's comical. Uh, and we were there. Uh, so <laughs> she actually see a breath of stinking and me and my wife are so embarrassed this poor Santa she's Claus a t- I can see this tiny little Indian girl just sat on the Santa Claus like your breath is stinking just like being all like animated and shit because she's a child I have a kid yeah. <laughs> 
poor guy, you know, he's probably going to go on a break and, uh, you know, to grab, open up a little flask and just say, oh, that kid just ruined me. But, <laughs> but, but that was sort of them now, I'm now formalizing really about what intuition is, is just sort of that, again, it's at the amygdala stage, right? You just know in that moment what's right or wrong and you're going to fail. And, and that's important. That's important part of life. And, and that's also part of the education is, yeah, well, you know, we've told you these things, you've now failed, or this has happened. Now you realize that, you know, uh, either you have to ex- experience it yourself. Now I'm being very formal. Uh, and, or, you know, what? You, you, that's what happens when you don't listen to us, when we know what's going to happen. Um, but a lot of times, uh, like we will get together in like some of our families, uh, we'll have like four core families. And so let's say Divya is jumping off the, the rail, uh, top rail on our on our uh, balcony down and she's that done that so many times and and i i noticed one of our our uh, other friends there they're, they're a little bit more protective they say no 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 no, get down get down get down get down uh, you know isn't divya gonna get hurt and i said no i mean if she gets hurt she's not gonna do it again right she knows that that's the height that she can't jump from so part of that philosophy of mine is just they'll experience it um and they have to i can't protect them in, from everything i don't have control of everything nor should i they are their own people, their own person. And um, so that's sort of my philosophy and, and, uh, and really finding them. And so there is a balance between like, say what my wife, who's like, she, I've met her in India. So she comes from a very traditional mindset um, where I'm more, no, you know, don't fall into the trap of going into academics just because if she feels compelled to go into higher education um, or pick something great with our, with obviously, um, you know, our, our advice in the end, she has to pursue what she wants. So right now she's doing hardification.com and, and which is an official nonprofit. Thank you. Thank you. And she's learning. uh, She was on another podcast yesterday um, with uh, Ron Zivaz out of Australia. He interviewed her. Um, and so she's now getting on podcasts as a guest rather than she interviewing other people and her, you can see her confidence growing. She's getting deeper in the questions. Uh, she's really engaged in a story and having feedback compared to the first one where she's like, Oh, okay, here's five questions. And then she's like, okay. And the next question. So <clears throat> the quality of she's developed over. And, and one of the things I decided to do is just watch and say in the background and watch her develop. I can make a couple of suggestions. Like, why don't you talk about this story, this story, because it adds some depth to the what you're trying to say. But it's really her journey. Um, and uh, uh, that's what I want to make sure that I impress upon. Even my wife is just let them figure it out. Uh, we'll give them some guidance. But in the end, there's going to be ups and downs. And I think it's because I've lived that life um, ever since I was young, ever since I was five or well, earlier than that. I was just kind of left alone to figure out life. Uh, and I think, uh, well... I'm living the right life that I know I need to live uh, and I'm making the decision that's right for me. I really don't care about other people's opinions. Um, And I think when it comes to my wife, like she's lived in a joint family where decisions were made for her. Mm -hmm. So there's that level of sheltering with me. There's no level of sheltering is I'm survive. That's protection. And somehow we've got to come in the middle and balance those two things out. Um, I'm just very emphatic about, yeah, don't restrict them. Like they, they will find out what they want to do. Uh, you know, don't get into the Indian doctor, lawyer, engineer, failure, four doors. I fell, fell into that trap and wasted three years of my life. Well, it's not really a waste, but you know, three years of my life in engineering when I could have done something else. Um, yeah. And like I was an entrepreneur and I knew that from all the breadcrumbs I, I left when I was uh, younger. I mean, the, even the stuff of what I did in high school. I mean, these things, I made decisions that were so obtuse uh, if you're comparing it to what normal kids would do and what whatever normal is. Um, I just figured it out. And, and I thought I provided value where I wanted to provide value for myself. 
and I think that's what entrepreneurship kind of is. And if other people is, and you have to be careful, you have to provide value to others that they're willing to pay you for. Um, and, and then, I mean, that's the two-way uh, transaction. Um, so that's kind of how I am as a parent. See, that's, I, I, I would disagree. And I would disagree with that sentiment for one, for yeah. only one part. Yeah. It's not the way that you are as a parent. It's just the way that you are. Yes. Yes. Because that, I love this quote by Dwayne Dye. It's um, you squeeze an orange, what comes out orange? You squeeze a human, well, come out what that human is. Mm, yes. You can definitely see with the squeeze with you, you'd be that same kind of guy consistently in every area. You're like, nah, I just have these same thoughts about how people should be liberally capable of making their own decisions and, you know, yeah. have my kids and stuff. Um, yeah. Kind of going back a little bit here because we did touch upon your book, Gut. Um, just ever so slightly. What's that about? I've not, I, I only found out, and it's really stupid, but like I only literally just found out that you have the book today, like this morning. I was like, man, I got to order that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, no problem. I'll, I'll send that. In. Anyways, Abdi's almost done her, her painting for you. Oh. Uh, yeah, so she's almost done that. So we'll send that. I'll send a, a copy of Gut Ooh. with uh, that before and we, the other one. Yeah. Before we jump forward, I was going to say, Avni's also coming onto the podcast real soon. So I'm really excited to have her on. So guys, please check that out. I'm going to try and assemble, uh, you know, your show today and Avni's within a week when we do the release, when we do the release schedule. Mm. But yeah, I can't wait to interview her. She's like, oh, such a fantastic. Brilliant. Like I can already like, um, it's at, what was it called? Empathically tell, like, because again, my whole job is I have to read people for a living. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that video you sent me of Avni of um, her little her sales video as well with her story. Uh, a brilliant. Thank you for putting that together. I really I'm glad I got to see that and including me in that. B, um, yeah, she's got she's got your soul, brother. She has got your soul as an entrepreneur <laughs> through and through. But she also I can feel like she has a mother's heart. She has yeah. a mother's heart. She's got your soul, but she's got her mother's heart. Yes, yeah, she's a really good blend. Uh, but yeah, in terms in terms of uh, yeah, happy to give you uh, a copy of that for oh, free, no you. problem. Cool. Um, but with the way that gut came about was actually it came about from my first book. My first book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster was about if the premise is if you if you can learn from the failures of others and you don't repeat those things and, and you really learn lessons, then you should be able to succeed faster. And so I interviewed close to 300 executives and entrepreneurs, and I had 75 stories in that book, uh, all different ways of failing. And so when I used to talk on stages about the book, the one question I kept getting was, well, what's the one thing I can do to succeed as an entrepreneur? And so at that time, I used to actually really rule my eyes saying, well, okay, there's a whole point, what, there's 400 pages in this book. Like if it was just one thing, this would be like a single page PDF. Uh, and so I didn't really, it didn't clue, it, it didn't sort of dawn on me until I went back to the audio recordings. And sure enough, 80 to 90% of them were saying some version of, I should have trusted my intuition. I knew what the right decision was and I didn't make it. And, and, and more and more of these stories were so common. And to give you an example, Boston Pizza Chain, uh, Jim Treliving uh, gave me an interview for my book. And, and he was saying that when they expanded from Western Canada to Eastern Canada, he knew that they shouldn't have done it because the culture in Western Canada is eating dinner around 8 or 9 p.m. The culture in Eastern Canada is eat around four or five. So people are lining up with this new restaurant called Boston Pizza to get a pizza. And they're waiting two hours because the kitchen is not ready. And they almost failed. And he gets back, he's telling me, he gets back on the plane with his partner, Melvin, and says, we knew we shouldn't have done this. We just knew it. And we almost lost Boston Pizza because of it. And so this, this is sort of the nature of the stories that I was hearing saying, wow, there's this thing called intuition that people are ignoring. 
uh, that got them into the situation. And so I'm thinking, okay, when did I kind of intuition hit me? And so this is a formal time where I'm now putting something formal on top of something that happened to me. And so I remember distinctly at five years old, there were these video games that my dad wanted, that I wanted to, uh, to have. My dad was saying that they're just way too expensive. Um, and so I, re I distinctly remember this voice telling me, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And that's exactly what I did. It was a Saturday. Uh, I went door to door and I raised $200, lots of milk and cookies. Uh, and $100 went to my dad. And the other $100 went to charity because I remember my school was doing that. And I really felt good about that. So that was my first brush with intuition, kind of. And it was just that. And to me, there was this voice. Then when I look back at the times that I ignored intuition, there were three distinct ones. We talked about the doors that the Indians go through, doctor, lawyer, engineer, failure. And I picked door number three because my dad was an engineer. I felt compelled. You're, you want societal norms to rule your roost. And so I became that engineer, even though everything was telling me to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and I spent three years in a career I absolutely hated. And in year two of that, I got a chance to be a private investor uh, with a Mexican restaurant chain brought up from Mexico. And I was pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends from that restaurant than I was as a full-time engineer. So in year three, I quit. I lost my relationship with my dad. That was a necessary sacrifice. But I then became an entrepreneur with about 20 millions in revenues from five or six different businesses, from wholesale clothing, realtor clothing, pop-up events, entertainment company. Um, and then I, I just loved it. It was just amazing. And then became a management consultant. Um, and then I got this really huge contract to go to Silicon Valley. And it, the money was amazing. Big IT name in the training software space. Uh, and uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to go. This is great. What an opportunity. But the contract terms started changing. And then again, this something was telling me to back off. And I didn't. I was so emotionally invested in that contract. I went down there and I spent every single penny and they didn't pay me. And I came back to Canada with 25 cents in my bank account. I was about to be married. My wife was, is from India. So she was there. I remember driving across the border uh, and she's phoning me saying, Hey, honey, how's it going? You know, I'm saying, Oh, that's everything's great. I'm just coming back up to Calgary, Canada. And, and I, I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night. Um, that, that's how bad it was. And then the ultimate um, uh, thing was when I was in engineering, I was still doing some personal coaching at, at, during engineering. Uh, and I had a friend reach out to me to try and get some advice. She was actually being stalked by someone. And, um, you know, she said, let's meet And my intuition is saying, let's meet that afternoon. I didn't have anything on my agenda at all. I was free, but for some dumb reason, I said, let's again, let's go. Uh, let's meet a couple of days later. And again, something is saying meet with her that afternoon. And I said, no, uh, I, I just ignored that something. And the very next day he walked up to her at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her forehead and shot and killed her. Uh, and uh, now I'm thinking, okay, I really got to figure out what this thing is now that I'm reflecting back on these situations. And so I looked at it as, okay, is there a definition? Uh, what is this thing? Because I really couldn't pin down sort of the art part of these, these some things that were rumbling around. And so I looked online, lots of different definitions, nothing resonated with me. So I said, okay, how do I define it? I said, okay, I see it like an art and a science. The art part is these signals and the science part, well, I don't know, is there science? And so I started diving into the academic literature and lo and behold, there's tens of thousands of articles on uh, intuition. There's MRIs showing where intuition in the brain lights up. There's, there's research saying it's at the amygdala. Uh, it happens seven to 10 seconds before we actually take an action or, or, or make a decision. Infants as much as early as two months old have shown intuitive tendencies. I mean, it's just crazy like the, the and it was just like oh my god so here's the art 
here's the science part. And the one thing, and here's the reason why I couldn't find a definition is because it hits the amygdala, which is the primitive area of your brain. So it's only good for like, think, do, feel uh, with no language around it. Language comes afterwards once the the neurons hit the frontal lobe. Um, And so that's why I didn't have a definition of what these somethings are. Now, one was a voice, but what I found is that everybody's got their own unique intuitive signals. Right. And so I spent all the, the, the 10,000 hours on research and, uh, you know, after interviewing over a thousand people, everybody's got their own way of what these signals are. So uh, one of the questions I asked you on our podcast was um, the intuitive signals when you're trusting intuition versus when you're ignoring intuition. Um, and so for, if you look at positive signals for me, for example, it's like the, there's flow or the dots connecting. So I know that that's the right decision to make, um, you know, and it just really, it, it just, kind of calms you down and you make a decision. And uh, one of the, the people I interviewed, she was actually a witness to a homicide. She walked into her uh, boyfriend's apartment. He had just killed their friend, best friend. He locks the door behind her uh, and then puts a knife to her back and says, you're next. And her intuition gets her to just, so her signal is just remain calm and watch him. Uh, so yeah, she had she been emotional, she would have been dead. And so he assaulted her, choked her, asked her to clean up the blood, which she refused. Um, all the while, her intuition is keeping her emotionally calm, watching him to manage him. Uh, and she gets an intuitive moment to leave the the uh, um, the uh, apartment, 18 flights down, 911, and she's alive. Um, and so that for her, that's how intuition really worked for her. If we look at negative signals, these are the ones are the more ones that we tend to ignore, and they actually start sm- subtle in nature, and they get louder over time until they they, they tap you on the shoulder saying, hello, hello. And so for me, like I'll get that gut feeling or the hairs in the back of my neck. Uh, and, and in some cases, there was this one entrepreneur I was like, I was interviewing him and he didn't know what his intuitive signal is. Like, I've never thought about intuition like that, Sunil. I'm not sure. But when we started talking about the failure of his businesses uh, and the ventures he got into, he kept grabbing his left earlobe. And pretty soon he just said, Sunil, I think I figured it out. M- my signal is a left earlobe. And he now recalls that when he's talking to his wife about the bad ventures, his left earlobe gets hot. When he was getting into the ventures, he couldn't figure out whether what was happening because his left earlobe was going, getting hot. He didn't know if he had wanted to go to the doctors for that. And so that's what happens. And what happens is you actually know when you ignore that intuitive signal. And if by the time you, do, you start getting into situations that you regret, and one of the, the, the fellows I interviewed was an undercover police officer doing a drug buy. And they were supposed to meet at a bar. And so, of course, the, 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 uh, the, the suspect at the time drove past the bar. And he should have called it off because he had a whole team waiting. And he didn't. He wanted to get the prize. He was so emotional in it. And he wanted to get that $100 uh, buy so that they can arrest him. And he's, he, was, he was saying he's willing to trade his life over it in that moment. Uh, they ended up at an apartment. Um, you know, this guy does a hit. He sees another guy that... Uh, his, his done time for murder. So he's facing these three criminals knowing he's going to get be killed. And so he cocks the guy and in, his intuition was already looking at the exits while he was walking in there as part of his police training. He gets out. Thankfully, his team is there and he hears a gunshot behind him. He didn't know who did it. But he said, you know, as, as uh, thankfully he's alive, but he did everything wrong and he ignored his intuition from the moment that that happened and he knew that he ignored it. And so it was really, for me, understanding when I look back at those three times that I ignored my intuition, why did I do that? So what were all these different somethings? And so 
what I found is that there's sort of almost three types of people that, that people fall into. And the first is one, one is that people don't really understand how intuition behaves. And this is sort of the whole reason of the intuitionology project is here's the science. It's paired with some stories. Here's what you go through. You know, here's the education. Here's a seven day challenge. that's going to help you. Uh, and so it's really getting in tune with your intuitive signals and really diving deep. But there are a lot of people that talk about you know, mindset and spirituality. And at the time I was researching 2012, 2013, when I was doing research for gut. Um, and that's where all of the research came in. It wasn't gut formally. And that was my second book. Um, a lot of people talk about it, but they don't really live it. And you see a lot of the social media memes, you know, uh, you know, with great quotes, but behind the door, when, you know, when the doors are, are kind of closed, so to speak, they're living a crappy life and, or they don't use that as inspiration. And one of the fellows I met, his name is Hal Eisenberg. And Hal, uh, Hal and I met, he was in the mindset space and I was in the intuition space. So when we both were talking, it was natural that we kind of loved the conversation we we're having together. Um, and he, and then he saw me speak at an event. And then this is where I brought up the, 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 like there's four types of intuition and there's intuitive signals and there's four intuitive hurdles. And so when I started weaving that story and, and talking about that, it really solidified it for him saying, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that there were signals. And wow, it's a lot more complex than I thought, rather than people just saying it's a gut feeling or a voice. I mean, it's great to have that gut feeling or that voice, but how do you know that that's the first signal or the third? Like if it's the first signal, excellent, you've caught it. If it's the third signal, you've already missed two signals, which means that you made two bad decisions. And if you made two bad decisions, you could be just stubbing your toe on a wall or you could be headed for bankruptcy. You don't know what the veracity of those two bad decisions are. Uh, and so he was living just kind of on this, yeah, there's a something called intuition. And it was great to talk about uh, until he started coughing one day and he started coughing and, you know, getting a bit of a fever. And he says, ah, his intuition was saying, go to the hospital. He now recalls, go, go to the hospital, get it checked out. It's becoming more severe. And he didn't, uh, and he let it go. And eventually his friend had to drive him to the hospital and he found out he had COVID-19 and he got to a point in his life where in the hospital where he actually wanted to die. That's how badly or how hard he was fighting for his breath. And his intuition came to him. He knew he just, it just opened up and said, you are, you need to be living in this world. You have a voice. It's clear as day. It feels like a field. It's open. You need to, and, and he, he realized the value of intuition at that life or death moment. And he came out, and then he realized what he was talking about before was crap. Yeah, I talk about living, uh, you know, being in the present moment and, you know, living on, you know, being intuitive. But he knew in that with the decisions when he self-reflected, that's not how he lived. He just talked about it. And he, can, and he pinpoints that. He comes out of the hospital five days later. He's, I'm the first person he tells uh, in detail about that, uh, that episode of what happened in the hospital. And he's my my very first guest on my podcast series. And what a way to start a podcast series on intuition than someone who came out of a life or death situation. So that's, that's sort of one group of people. The second people group of people are the ones that really need to hit rock bottom yeah. before they really appreciate what intuition is. Uh, and time and time again, um, I'm finding that when I used to ask the question for my, intu my, my podcast series about when, intuition, when did intuition impact your life? 100% of the time, it was a negative instance. 
100% of the time. And that's the time that they actually appreciated what intuition did because there's nowhere else to look but up. And what they didn't realize is, is that intuition was there all along. Uh, you, they just didn't, and it was shining a light. They didn't look up to see the light. And so what I'm doing is, is taking what the, their journey of what happened and finding out what were those points of light? What were the, what were the signals for you? What was happening where intuition was telling you to change? And they said, well, I, I ignored that. I ignored that. I ignored that. I ignored that. You know, and for someone like Sarah Prout, who she was in a 10-year, she had a gold cast video that I saw um, on an abusive relationship. And I reached out to her and she was happy. She's in manifestation. So she said, I'd love to come on your podcast because of intuition, because it really kind of saved her. And she, this was someone in a 10-year relationship, 40 instances of physical abuse. And she, on a December 31st, she finally looked out and there was a clear intuitive signal. She was looking to the stars saying, get out now, today, right now. And she made that decision. They had just finished uh, with a fight on what to watch on TV. And again, she felt that if she didn't agree with them, there's going to be another altercation, a physical altercation. And she trusted her intuition. She came, she walked out. She was $30,000 in debt, two kids on welfare, nowhere to sleep, um, picking furniture off the side of the road and actually going into public washrooms and putting soap pieces together so that her kids can have showers. Uh, but she trusted her intuition that it would, it would work out. She trusted that things would work out. And one opportunity led to another. And uh, she met the love of her life on Twitter. A year later, they got married. And six years after that, leaving that house, she is now a multimillionaire running uh, business on manifestation. And so that was the second group of people where they actually- Who that yeah. was? Can I ask who that was again? Sarah Prout. Sarah Prout, P R O T. Yeah. P R O U T. Yeah. Yep. And so, and yeah, she had a major gold cast video, and, and that's how I found her. And I said, wow, you know, if, and her gold cast video was about, and this is the sort of where my mind thinks, and where I was talking earlier about, you know, thinking, why? How can that happen? So if she was in, if she left that physical, uh, that abusive environment, why did she ignore her intuition? And what role did intuition play? And so that's how I reached out to her to figure out, to see if she'd talk about it. And, and we did. And we had a really nice hour-long conversation uh, about the moments that intuition was telling her uh, to get out. We couldn't focus too much on the relationship because it brought out a lot of anxiety. But I wanted to focus on a little bit on the, on the signals that helped her get out of it. And then yeah. what brought her the opportunities outside of that, just so that I didn't trigger anything negative for her. Right. So now I want to ask you this, because yeah. we've had this discussion. And honestly, when you were speaking right now, going through it, my brain was thinking back, obviously, to when we did our show together. And my thought came up with, okay, what, how did I find my intuition? Like, honestly, because I, I don't really know. Because for me, at times, I feel like my, I have, um, I, first of all, I find it very weird that some people don't have an internal monologue. I've said this before on a previous show. It still yeah. freaks me out. Like people don't have an internal monologue. But mine, it's strange. Because it sounds like three people. Like sometimes it's references a you, an I, or a we. It's like the strangest thing. And like someone like, we need to go do this. It's like, you need to go do this. Well, I need to go do this. It's like an internal dialogue constantly. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what that is. But my question to you isn't about that. It's essentially for the people that don't really know how their intuition manifests or shows up, what could they start doing to actually start to, to become more aware of the intuition around them. Yeah. So, so, the, uh, so let me, let me do this. Uh, the best way I can illustrate this is with someone who is a non-believer. Um, and so one of my first interviewees was the fellow 
a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. And at the time he was CEO and chairman of Kara Operations Limited. So it, it, former investment banker, spreadsheets, data, everything ruled his life. And so as I struggled with a definition of intuition, when I was in this journey of figuring out uh, my book, got stuff for my content for my book, um, it struck me that I really didn't understand what it was. And at the time that I started the Intuitionology Project, which was 2016-ish, I was starting a lot of my interviews earlier, much earlier than that. And so at the time, it was it was more like, you know, spirituality, uh, meditation. And for someone who's, uh, uh, you know, relies on data, he's like, that's wacko. Uh, I don't think intuition exists. Um, and so when we turned on the camera, I mean, he said, yes, Neil, I'll, I'll give you an hour of my time. We'll talk about intuition. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Let's spend five minutes talking about intuition and let's catch up because I haven't seen you in a while. Um, and so I turn on the camera and it's very clear that he says, yeah, you know, I don't see omens. Like I, I, I'd like to shake the hand of the guy who sees omens or, or you know, I make this business decisions. It's really about data and experience. And, uh, you know, I, intuition just doesn't really, I don't think it does. And he's being very nice and kind. Well, what he didn't realize and what, what I found out through my research is there's actually four types of intuition that all work together. And one of the things that he's referring to is called experiential intuition. And in his whole story, I'm going to go through all four from a non-believer. So, so experiential intuition looks at your past learning and experience, both formal and informal street knowledge of yours and others. And it's always constantly watching and putting it in the subconscious of your brain, all these experiences ever since you're born. And so over time, you have this library of a massive immense information that when you're making a decision, intuition goes into that library of information, picks out the relevant information that that's happened to help you make the right decision. And so you've already done the work. You've already had a base set of skills that you're able to make the right decision from because you've already done it or you've seen someone else do it and they've succeeded. So that's one of the four that it, it talks about. And so I'm, I'm educating him on like, this is that's uh, intuition actually uses background experience. And in some cases it has you go against the data. And then he says, Oh, well, I have an example like this. And so he was going to open up, he, they got into franchise operations and there was this, this, uh, and a franchise for him or his team was a nine out of 10. And they looked at traffic patterns and uh, you know, development and stuff like that. And they used a benchmarking system. Him and his partner were looking at this one area of Toronto, just dilapidated where, you know, people come there and, you know, they just drink to get drunk. And he wanted to open up a restaurant or a franchise where they show beer pairing. So I have this beer with this cheese, right? So how do they convince someone who's just, you know, coming off a, you know, a 16 hour shift and they just want to open up a bud to, do you know, you can use a Rochefort cheese with that? Like, I mean, come on, uh, you know, but the second type is called situational intuition where you go into a situation and you just know, that something's wrong or something's right. It's very much like when my wife and I were shopping for houses, or, you know, to buy, we would instantly, the door opens says, no, it just doesn't feel like a home. And we'd instantly know that's called situational intuition. That's the second one. So him and his partner are in this, this, this area of Toronto. And when they lit the bar benchmarking system, it came up as a five and a half out of 10. And he was saying, no, but you know what? Something's telling me that we should open up a franchise here. And so he could, he told his team, we're going to open up a franchise and a brand new brand. And everybody's just like, is there something wrong with you? 
Um, and they did. And th- that restaurant chain was called the Beer Market. That was the most profitable restaurant portfolio under all of the chains that they had uh, ever. Wow. And so that went against the data. Now he's starting to use intuition in his language. His body language is changing. Um, and, uh, and so I'm noticing he's using intuition a lot more. And so he's telling me stories. This is the thing with intuition. Intuition is, is your, it's a subconscious phenomenon that you have. This is your signals. This is your experience. I'm merely shining a light on it. And as I'm getting him to recount the stories from his perspective, he's convincing himself over the hour about intuition. And the very last question I asked him was, okay, John, did intuition actually help you make a decision that was so obtuse that people thought you were nuts? That's the third type of intuition called creative intuition. And he said, oh yeah. And so this was, now remember, this guy was making three to $4 million a year as an investment banker. He was in high-end restaurants, private jets, limousines. And his intuition was saying, quit all of that to run a tiny bankrupt little restaurant. And so, and, and now the fourth type of intuition is coming in called relational intuition. And that's where you look at people, everybody around him that were in it for the money that were in it for the high end limousines, how it looked extrinsic motivation was saying, right. you're nuts. You're nuts. What are you doing? Look at the life you have. Look at, it's more like not look at the life you have. Look at what others are looking to look at what I'm looking at you. Extrinsic motivation. Look at me and, from, look at yourself from my perspective. Yes. Yes. And so those aren't the type of people you want in your life. That's relational intuition using that you to filter those people out. And the only person that really understood what he wanted was his, was his wife. And he went to his wife and his wife said, what do you think? And this is where his, his signal comes in. He looked at his wife. This is on video. It just feels right. Quote, unquote, from John. There's your intuitive signal. She says, okay. He quit his job, walked into that tiny bankrupt little restaurant. That ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. And Eastside Mario's became over a thousand locations of different brand names. 20, in 20 years, $2 billion in revenues because of an intuitive signal, an intuitive moment. And that's how intuition works. Now he understands what intuition is through his own experiences. Now he understands the signals. So it's not about being spiritual or anything like that. It's about him understanding how it behaved for him, looking back at the experiences that good and bad that informed him, why did he make those good those decisions? Why did he make those bad decisions? For him, it's a business context, but you can do the same thing in your personal context. And when you take that education and figure things out like I had to for my book, Gut, you really understand how it works. And then it's up to us to put our own language around it. It's up to us to operate our lives around it. It's not enough to just talk about it. It's about living in the present moment and actually living your life on that, not caring what other people think. And that's one thing that I, I, I live my life on. I don't really care about what other people think. I don't do things for extrinsic motivation. It's okay to want to have, let's say, nice, a nice house or car if that's truly a symbol of your success. But you know what internally, whether that's a symbol of success or you're just opening up a window so other people can look at you to say, oh, he or she must be successful because when you internally know that that's your message, um, you can tell me all you want, but you internally know that that's why you're doing it. 
but that's why you're buying that brand is because you want to show something to other people. Then you're going against your intuition because you're not doing it for your own sake. Yeah, right. And so that's really how powerful it works. Um, but it takes a lot of work. Uh, and that's why people actually, I think, go, hit rock bottom or go through the bad things because it's the failures that they lesson f- learn from because it's those negative intuitive signals that are the ones that are really kind of, uh, you know, warning you all the time. And so when you have a decision, if you do reflect back, now you have a basket of positive signals and you have a basket of negative signals. And that's exactly what my seven day challenge does when it, when it gets you to in seven days, you have to solve a problem. But the first exercise is to, okay, what's your positive signals? What's your negative signals? Because whatever decision you you're going to make to solve that problem, you need to have those inventory of signals because if you're thinking right, you'll get a positive signal. If you're thinking wrong, you have a negative signal. And if you, thought wrong and you made a decision, then you haven't done enough homework on your negative signals. Yeah. And one of the other things that I, that I kept coming, it's like some people misunderstand intuition as they say, sometimes intuition takes them through the wrong route. Uh, and this is, this was one of the things that came up in when I was interviewing uh, for my podcast series. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, there's four types of hurdles that I've talked about that that uh, they actually squash your signals and the four are fear and so there's fear of failure fear of change fear of the unknown the other is ego which is narcissism and then the other ego is following the hurt uh, then there's being too rational uh and like just very data-driven societal like i fell into that as an engineer uh and then being too emotional relationships are that as well yeah. and so what happens is when any of those four intuitive hurdles hit you then it squashes your signals um, and, and then you're not able to, to do the things that you want to do. And so one of the po- podcast guests I had was Mark Metry. I'm not sure if you know, he has the Humans 2.0 podcast. He's one of the top 100 in Apple. Nice. And he, he's done stuff around uh, social anxiety. Um, and when he came on my podcast series, he said, he actually said, yeah, intuition sometimes leads you down uh, the wrong path. And he was in high school. And he, he was trying to say intuition got me to lie again and again and again to the point where I wanted to kill myself. And I said, well, okay, uh, Mark, let's re- if we were to rewind this podcast series, because I was listening very intently to your story, because my ears really perk up when they say that um, intuition led them down the wrong route, route, because it's typically one of the four hurdles they got into. Yeah. Before he started telling that story, he actually says, and I confirmed this going back to my podcast series. I knew I shouldn't have lied, but, and then he goes into this, into the story, yep. that small little I tidbit. I knew I shouldn't have. That's, that's the, the intuition. Bi- that's the big difference. Cause you know, that's but you got a choice. Yes. And he chose to almost kill himself. So it wasn't intuition. And this is where he, the people don't understand that. Right. This is where they don't really understand that there are signals that they need to get in touch with and they have to pay attention to it. And they're subtle. And that's the problem It's the subtle ones. The whispers as Oprah calls it is what people ignore. Right. And when we ignore that whisper, it gets a little bit louder and then a little bit louder. And some people, they get to the point where they're cutting themselves or they hit in a car crash. Uh, now these are, these are guests telling me that that's what happened. That's their ultimate signal or they're sleeping under a bridge uh, and then it hits them. Or there was one, Garrett Jones. This, this is amazing. So he was homeless. He had another homeless guy come up to him asking him for money. And so Garain says, "You, hey, listen, buddy, you probably have more money than I do. And this other homeless guy says, change your mind, change your life. 
that one statement got him to get off the streets, start doing YouTube videos from his car and a safe, a safe space, or actually a storage box. And now he's a millionaire through inspirational videos. And so he's gone on to talk on stage as well, pre-COVID around the world uh, about his experience of getting out of homelessness because of one statement that triggered his intuition and to, to follow it again and again. Now there's ups and downs, right? Yeah. There's, there's sideways. This is not a perfect thing. Uh, you know, I'm human. Uh, I have my ups and downs. I have my emotional moments. It's a journey, but just like entrepreneurship, you have to be right 51% of the time to be successful as an entrepreneur. You're going to fail 49% or whatever number you want to put at it. But yeah. the, the general trajectory is that it's up. And that's, as long as you have it above 51, you're winning. Yes, exactly. And so that's that's what I came up with in terms of the science and how it functioned and really with all the case studies that I have. And, and you know, the thing is what you have to do is when you – fear is a big one. Fear of actually getting in where – and now, and again, we're talking amygdala, right? So fear is, you know, fight or flight because there's a, 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 a you know, saber-toothed tiger coming at you. Or you just fear, like, this is a new direction. What are, And all these things go in your mind. What are people going to think? How can I do this? I'm not sure. But remember that your intuition's already known that you've done it. So when you, when even though you feel fearful, you just have to take that step. Uh, and if your intuitive signal is positive because you've already taken the education to do it, then even though you're feeling fear, you know it's the right one to take. And over time, you get to minimize that fear. And a really good example of this is one of the interviews I had was, was David Dame. And so this is a guy who... He has cerebral palsy um, and he's been in a wheelchair um, all his life and he got a chance to go on vacation and all he wanted to do was feel the sand in his toes and the water from the, from the ocean. That's all he wanted to do. And so he got his friends to wheel him up to the edge of the ocean and the beach and he puts his feet in the sand and he falls flat in, uh, on his face in the water. And he was telling me there's two things I can do at that moment, Sunil. I can, I can stick with my fear and go back into that wheelchair and forever regret never living my dream of walking in the water. Or I can overcome my fear. I can trust my intuition and I can actually take a step ahead. And that's what he did. He took a step and then he took another step and then he took another step. And he points to me and says, the water got about to, up to about here and he points to his chin. And that's when he looked back. And when he looked back, he had no clue how far he had come. That's how you live your life with intuition. That is poetically awesome. See, I don't even want to ask you any more questions. I thought the <laughs> best place to end a show ever. It's like, I can't even, I want to ask more shit. But I'm like, no, no, end it here. We'll do a round two. <laughs> it's up to you, your show. No, I'm, dude, I'm totally on for having you on as a round two. I don't care yeah. what else says. I want you on back here for myself. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to end it, you're, you're, Dude, you got my book in like freaking book in. I don't care what yeah. it is, just put it in. Okay. I'll have you back on. Holy crap, what a bombshell to end on. I mean, like, I don't honestly, I have like two questions I love asking on the show all the time, but I don't even want to. So I'm just going to do the recommendations. <laughs> go get yeah. Sunil's book and go check out his website. There we go, Intu intuitionology.com. Yeah. Uh, and check out the book Gut because it is going to be good. Also, check out uh, heartification.com, which is, of course, Avni's website support it if you're an art lover or if you just want to actually spread some feel good feelings in the world it's a great place to go and it has an incredible story um which sunil and i discussed on his show which is really brilliant so if you guys go check out was it the intuitionology podcast yeah intuitionology.com forward slash podcast and that right. yours is coming up being released pretty soon yeah I'm, by, by the time 
by the time this show comes out, like it'll be well out anyway. We'll have like, okay. links all stuff uh, as is. But guys, please rate, review, subscribe, and have yourself an amazing weekend. If you want any previous episodes of Adam RC Unplugged, please check us out on Spotify, uh, iTunes, or the blog, which is, of course, adlamarcy.com forward slash blog, which I will probably change to blogcast soon because I almost messed that up once. And I was like, make it a new thing. It's fine. All right, guys, take care. Sunil, thanks again for being here, man. I appreciate it. No problem. You. And what a way to end a show. Goddamn.